The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us today. I'm excited about this show because what we're going to be talking about is kind of a new subject to a lot of us, but it's something that we really need to get smart on because rare earth minerals of all kinds are present in our day-to-day lives, uh, from cell phones and computers to, if you have an electric vehicle, um, all the way into some medical devices. There are a variety of rare earth minerals that are critical, both to the lives that we live now, but also the lives that we hope to live in the future. Um, Some of the things that we'll be talking about today are things that, you know, really have only begun to be part of the public discussion, but I'm hoping that that will increase dramatically as we go along. But things like energy storage, which is so critical for optimizing renewable energy sources like wind and solar, and rare earth minerals play a huge role in all of this. And today we're going to be talking about a rare earth mineral, vanadium, that is very unique, has some tremendous promise, um, and we're going to be talking with the CEO of American Vanadium. They're a Canadian mining company, but they're working here in the United States on a very exciting project. And Bill Radvac is our guest today. Welcome to Go Green Radio, Bill. So glad that you could join us. I'm very happy to be here. Well, I would like for us to start at the beginning. What is vanadium and how is it currently being used? Sure. Vanadium is a very fascinating metal and it's one that very few people have actually heard of and a lot of people can't even pronounce. Um, I've been in this company three years, but people have really started to grow a lot of that because we are telling the story pretty pretty large. Um, did I say it right, vanadium? You did. Yes, you, <laughs> did. you got it right. Um, vanadium actually truly is a green metal. Um, its primary use, over 9%, is used in what's called high-strength, low-alloy steel. I don't want to get technical, but uh, if you, if you actually basically, if you think of adding a pinch of vanadium to regular steel, like 0.01% content in steel, um, you can increase the strength of that steel by 50 to 100%. And that's why it's used in pretty much every piece of rebar and structural steel in the U.S. Um, what you're trying to do, though, isn't really to actually make, actually make stronger steel. It allows you to use less steel um, but maintain that structural integrity and strength. And where that works is if you use a vanadium with a stronger steel, you're actually using 30% less iron ore in the manufacturer, 30% less coal, 30% less energy to, to, to produce it, the shipping costs, on and on. So there's many environmental costs related to the making of steel. So if you're making 30% less, you're saving a lot. And actually, in China, they say by you, by, they're now converting. They still use, um, uh, they started using vanadium probably only about 15 years ago. And only about 30, 40% of their structural steel has vanadium. But now they're making a tremendous shift, and that shift is going to actually allow them to use to build 15% less steel mills to give you a sense of the value 
uh, vanadium here. So the history has all, already been about steel, but it was actually first discovered, interesting enough, in 1801, but the first use, they believe, they've been able to find, vanadium was actually an impurity in what was called Damascus steel that was used by the, is, by the Islamics um, in the Crusades. And for hundreds of years, everybody's been trying to remake it. In the last 10 years, they were able to figure that one of the uh, key con- constituents impurities in that was vanadium. But the first real promoter of vanadium was actually Henry Ford. Um, he was in France looking at a car crash and saw the metal was really light yet strong. Found out it was vanadium, and he actually uh, imported an expert and built a steel mill um, to make this vanadium alloy and had a, had a five-year advantage. So the Model T, one of its successes, was a much lighter vehicle with vanadium. Mm. And so today, though, um, China, as I mentioned, is moving forward. They actually made it part of their big five-year strategic plan. So they're they're, uh, phasing out all kind of rebar that doesn't have vanadium, which sounds like a simple building code change. But since they make half of the world's steel, and most of that's rebar, that simple code change is supposed to um, actually increase the global consumption of vanadium by up to 90% or 40%. So dramatic shift forward. I'll tell you, you know, I I do some work in China. I'm over there a few times a year, and there is an unbelievable amount of construction going on, and there has been for years. And, you know, with that kind of a requirement to include vanadium in their building, I, I can only imagine the scale by which that will increase the global demand for vanadium because, I mean, they're, they're doing building on the scale of which nobody has seen in North America. And that's going to have an impact exactly where, what we're going to be talking about in vanadium. Mm-hmm. That's, that's going to be, you know, there really is not that much vanadium produced globally. And now the use we're going to be talking about, the future of vanadium really is in, in what's called vanadium redox flow uh, storage batteries. So this is massive megawatt energy storage batteries. You need a tremendous amount of very high purity vanadium. And it, it, it can play a very key role, but probably the limitation is going to be how much vanadium is going to be out there because of the increasing uh, need for better steel as well. Right. Now, let's talk about energy storage because uh, regular listeners to Go Green Radio have heard us touch on this topic before. But let's cover it again before we talk about the role that vanadium may play in the energy storage realm. Let's talk about why we need energy storage so desperately in order to optimize wind and solar power. Well, pretty simple. I mean, for the last you know years, the big focus has been a lot of government subsidies and such and plans to put in as much solar uh, and wind sources as you could. And mm-hmm. they've all been able to find that that really is not efficient at all. So now the push, you know, for instance, in Germany, they save 100,000 solar installations. Now the push is to get 100,000 batteries in place because the wind doesn't blow and the sun doesn't shine always at that peak period when you need it. And so the unfortunate part about renewable energies like that is you produce it, you've got to use it. And mm-hmm. the grid really doesn't like it, big utilities because they're more concerned. They have to build everything, their infrastructure, substations, to provide peak period, which is why if you look on a lot of power bills for the homes and businesses, the, there's two um, financial measures. One is how much energy do you, how much energy you use and how much do you use. You get almost penalized for uh, how much you use at peak time. Right, because renewables can't be relied on at all um, for those times. So the, mm-hmm. it really doesn't help 
the grid in its you know multi-billion dollar capital expenditure program from um, to reduce it because they just can't rely it on at all. Well, and I kind of feel like you know the wind and solar industry representatives, uh, we won't say lobbyists, but, you know, those who represent the interest, the interests of those industries. I mean, let's face it, for them, there's nothing better than installing as much generation capacity as we possibly can, sell as much wind, yeah. sell as much solar as possible. But for the interests of energy consumers uh, and those who ultimately, whether they're taxpayers or ratepayers, are footing the bill for some of the government subsidies to put in all that generation capacity, it isn't efficient because maybe we wouldn't need quite as many panels and quite as many turbines if we were able to store some of that energy capacity and release it to the grid in a more efficient and, and less fluctuating manner. Is there any idea, has anybody got statistics on how much energy storage we need in the U.S. in order to really maximize um, our use of wind and solar? Um, you know, there's no real statistics at all. The best we could probably do is, is look at what China does because they, they're, they're very clearly set. They're, every five years they do another five-year plan, and they instituted one the last year. The previous one actually dictated that they were going to, you know, that in that five-year span they were going to be world leaders in solar and wind power production, which they actually achieved. Mm-hmm. Um, the current plan that came out, though, set specific targets for storage for the first time. One was a very hard target of having capability to put 5% of all electrical production into storage by the year 2020, with a soft target being 10. And they, they always over, they always uh, do better than, than hit their, their, their hard target. So mm-hmm. um, you're talking on a, on a massive scale when they're growing at you know, 10%, 12% electrical uh, usage a year. If you translate that to the U.S., that's you know, hundreds of thousands of megawatts of storage a year. Mm-hmm. Um, needed in, in to be built into this system, so it's truly a, truly a huge amount. I'd, as far as wind and solar, I'd, I'd say that still um, you do need to, you do need to build on a huge scale. However, you're also right. I don't think it's that, that great a deal currently for the the shareholders of America, the citizens, um, because a lot of it's done on on putting in these what's called feed-in tariffs, which are better uh-huh. rates than normal which are really necessary to, to um, stimulate a business in its infancy. But, you know, the grid really doesn't like it. You know, they're, they're forced to use that power that uh, somebody's getting paid a very high rate, and they're using mm-hmm. it at very inefficient time. So it really isn't a good system. So you do need all that power. You just have to find a better way of using it. And it really is about creating a, what they call now is the smart grid. Mm-hmm. So efficient generation, efficient transmission, efficient use. Well, and I, I can't help but think somebody somewhere has got to be able to give us some kind of a formula saying if you put in this many megawatts of solar simultaneously, you should put in this much energy storage. We need that kind of a formula so that we can plan projects accordingly. And I imagine that will get there someday. Um, the issue has been the focus for years has been on wind and solar, and so that's where the money went, right? Mm-hmm. So we get the Warren Buffett spending hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars and such now on wind and solar projects. But um, there hasn't been money, in t- money spent on storage. I mean, when I started this business three years ago, I really didn't think there was much of a business for our company because it was more mm-hmm. of a mom-and-pop kind of world in development of, of these batteries outside mm-hmm. of lithium, which I didn't see as a great solution long-term. You know, the name Flow has come so far in technology, but it's 
for me, the big change has been the large companies going after vanadium flow batteries now. You've got mm-hmm. you know large German, Chinese, Japanese companies that have the muscle and the financial support and the technical skills to actually make make these on the scale needed. Mm-hmm. So well, we're going to talk about that in just a moment. I want to talk yeah. about how the vanadium redux flow batteries differ from lithium, sure. ion, lithium ion batteries and some of those issues when we come back. We've got to take a quick commercial break, but don't go away, folks. There's much more Go Green Radio right after this. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. If you're a golf enthusiast and looking for some great golf properties in the desert southwest, you'll want to make the Golf Realty Network your weekly stop. Hosted by Jane and Al Anderson, the Golf Realty Network is all about living where you play, on the golf side. You'll hear from the course pros and vendors, while the real estate side will bring you the top agents and brokers who know how to market or find your golf community home. Tune in to the Golf Realty Network, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety, and rebroadcast weekly on Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Well, welcome back to Go Green Radio. Glad that you could join us and very glad that our guests could join us. If you're just tuning in, our guest today is Bill Radback. He is the CEO of a company called American Vanadium, and we're going to be talking about a project that they are uh, getting ready to launch in Nevada. Um, but right now we're talking about energy storage capacity and how um, – 
adding energy storage capacity to our our mix of solar and wind um, power generation could really help to increase and optimize the use of those technologies. You know, Bill made a great point right before he went to break. He said, you know, there's been a lot of investment over the past few years in creating solar and wind power generation capacity. And that's all good. We should. And we've got to do much more of that. But there hasn't been as much focus and investment on energy storage to couple with those renewable energy power generation plants so that we could really use that energy to the to the maximum degree of efficiency. And I think part of the reason for that is that there hasn't emerged that perfect technology, and maybe not perfect, but that uh, absolutely exciting technology that would inspire the kind of investment needed to get energy storage going on the levels that we really need it to. But I think you know what we've been talking about and what we're getting ready to talk about with vanadium uh, could very well be that technology we've been looking for. And Bill, I'd like for you to talk about um, how vanadium flow batteries differ from some of the other technologies that have been looked at for you know utility scale energy storage. Sure. Uh, you know, vanadium flow batteries first um, was actually invented um, from some early NASA technology and the intellectual properties. You know, uh, over 25 years old, so it's off patent, so a number of companies are going at it. So it's not a new one, but it stayed more in the background uh, for for 20 years coming forward. But vanadium flow batteries is different from all the other batteries in that um, that you'd imagine uh, that basically the energy store is stored stored in a liquid called vanadium electrolyte. So you, you imagine big tanks of vanadium in sulfuric acid, and so as opposed to you know your typical uh, flashlight battery where it's a chemical re- reaction at the electrode, mm-hmm. basically you're changing the ions in the solution. And without getting technical again, you know, you can be doing that forever. So whereas other batteries wear down with that reaction electrode, changing ions in a solution back and forth doesn't wear it down. So that's the unique part about vanadium. The, the bigger the tank, um, the more energy. So it's truly scalable. And the vanadium doesn't wear out. So it's, these batteries have gone over 10,000 charge discharge cycles at very high efficiency without losing um, their power. So that's that scale, and that's coming up into commercial. The first company actually started going commercial sales last year. The, um, there's a, but really, if you look at again, I can refer to China as, as sort of a leadership because they've, they've looked at these and, and sort of picked their winners. And there's really three classes. One's called the molten salt, but that's probably got a great future. Um, but right now it's still having scale and some safety issues, so it's not really moving commercially. Um, but what really is taking over the market is, is lithium in the storage side for now. It's probably 80% of the bigger storage market. But that's primarily because, I mean, it's a nice high-density battery that works great in a laptop and a cell phone, mm-hmm. but it's not truly scalable. I mean, even like you know, Chevy Volt has 288 little cells in the battery, which presents its own management problem. But basically a lithium mass storage battery is a whole bunch of car batteries in a row. And mm-hmm. so it's not a true scalable, manageable, and it can't go multi-megawatt at all. Mm-hmm. So that's why vanadium flow is seen as really, for the next five, ten years, the one battery that can go to this multi-megawatt grid scale size. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can go, you know, it's 90% efficient as opposed to 65 for lithium batteries. It's full, you know, has almost instantaneous discharge for un- uninterrupted power supply. But the big key is is these batteries will last for 20 years, and you'll still have the vanadium in it to use at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. 
How does a vanadium-centric energy storage technology compare with other similar technologies when it comes to cost? I mean, how volatile is the pricing of vanadium, and do you expect that volatility to increase or decrease in the future? What's the cost perspective? Yeah, vanadium flow batteries actually are on the higher end of cost. Um, Now, if you look at it on its own, though, if they could do last 20 years, as you amortize that, it's actually a very cost-effective solution. So that's where uh, you have to come up with, with um, finance solutions so that they, people aren't faced with that capital cost. But it truly makes sense over a long time for utility to move that direction. Individually, the Vainflow battery, though, the biggest um, cost is the vanadium. It's a unique battery, whereas, you know, you look at a lot of the rare earths that make phones work and different battery works, you're still using a, a tiny bit. But you use so much vanadium as, it, as that's what stores the energy. About a third of the cost of these batteries is, is the vanadium. Mm-hmm. And that's supposed to go up to 50% as everything goes to scale and the other costs come down. And historically, vanadium price has spiked, you know, quadrupled overnight pretty much. And there were circumstances and prices are rising again. So when it's that big a cost component, then it's a pretty strong drawback. And I just had a conversation with Pike Research uh, yesterday on this topic, and they they, you know, totally echoed that and then fear for the future of vanadium flow batteries because of that limitation, limited amount of, of vanadium out there and volatility mm-hmm. price. But that's our advantage as a company, having a deposit of a, very, of a product. Um, we can produce very high-purity vanadium electrolyte at a very low cost and have the only supply in the U.S. It actually gives us the ability to, act, to compete and uh, control that cost as part of the business. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people, you know, used to balk at natural gas, um, you know, as, as a fuel for, you know, util- utility-scale power plants, and now the price of gas has come down, and it really does depend on, you know, a glut of supply as to what that, that price volatility is or is not. You know, I've read that vanadium flow batteries can last for 20 years or more, but I'm curious as as an environmental, you know, uh, activist, I guess you might say, what happens to the byproducts? What kind of byproducts are there when a vanadium flow battery has gone over that 20-year mark or what have you? And, and is there a safe way to the, recycle the materials? Yeah, and I, I, I mean, more globally, again, these batteries, everybody's uh, concerned about all the car batteries that are going to be coming up because, you know, lithium batteries last about you know, six, seven years. Yep. Um, and... And that you know that's going to be solved because there's going to be money in actually doing it. There isn't money in early days when there's just a few hundred or a thousand batteries to do, but there are ways and technologies to actually not only do it environmentally soundly, but also to make money at it and mm-hmm. and, and pull out all the rare earth, you know, the constituents. So, you know, the the, the you know capitalism will take care of it um, mm-hmm. as well as being you know responsible. And that's it's. But we're not in the same issue here. We really don't have all those different metals and such. It's. It's largely about these big tanks of vanadium electrolyte. But, again, what's important is we're not consuming the metal in there. So uh-huh. largely that, that electrolyte could be reused. You take it out, you recharge it, and be able to put it back in. Mm-hmm. You maybe have to recycle the stainless steel tanks and some of the pumps and electronics, but that's sort of a minor component of it. So it's really controlling that electrolyte. And, again, you know, if you're looking at um, what uh, we believe is minimal environmental cost at that time, it's still... 20 years of use is is pretty strong return. Well, certainly more than double that of, of its lithium counterpart. Yeah. Um, where does the U.S. currently procure its vanadium? Yeah, that's where so what puts, puts us in an interesting position. Right now, for steel, 
Um, the, the, as far as the mines are all in China, Russia, and South Africa, um, there is some vanadium that is produced from heavy oils. Uh, so actually, the U.S.'s biggest source is Venezuelan heavy oil uh, byproduct and shipped to the Gulf and then refined, mm-hmm. as well as Mexican oil. But you know, as far as mining the big deposit globally, it's, it really is, is going to stay uh, pretty much forever. Uh, vanadium sources are going to be in, in big iron ore mines in China, Russia, and South Africa. So mm-hmm. that puts us in a really unique position having the only deposit in, in North America. Um, but not only having the only deposit, we actually have a very unique deposit, um, whereas these are uh, byproducts of iron ore mines or you know, heavy sludge from an oil. Mm-hmm. Um, we have what's called sedimentary deposits. So it's a very clean, it's an old lake bed that has vanadium in it. It's now on the surface in Nevada. It's been oxidized. So we don't have all those heavy metals and other constituents that cause problems. So we, we actually are able to produce a very pure product very simply and cost-effectively. And how do you foresee that having this kind of a domestic supply of vanadium might actually impact national security? Um you know, I, I think in our hands, it's it's really not an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're here. Our first job, of course, is to uh, provide great return for the shareholders. And so, mm-hmm. the way we see that best is to sell it in, sell as much as we can in North America. Period. Um, so there is no sort of fear of us being bought by Chinese and going off. Mm-hmm. Um, the best return is here, not only for. Um, Steel, but actually, you know, in the early days, someone can go into the titanium. The U.S. has the biggest aircraft industry, and we have uh, vanadium, titanium, aluminum alloy is the main constituent of of planes now. Uh, the main, it, you know, it's the strongest, lightest metal. Uh, the new Dreamliner is 1.5 tons of vanadium, and and currently, the U.S. industry um, imports all of that from sources primarily in South Africa and Russia. So mm-hmm. even in that industry, we keep it globally here for at a better return rate than just basic vanadium and steel. Uh, and so we need to go as far upscale as we can. So that's where we actually have have a business plan. There's a, you could actually do a, a good business case for us slowing down production mm-hmm. and actually conserving it for a much higher return for the vanadium electrolyte. I mean, it really would be a shame, and that's what you know, gentlemen, the Department of Energy said it would be a real shame and be sad for the U.S. If we actually a pound of our our vanadium ever went into making of steel, when it's so critical for the future need for these batteries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I read that, and I think that's very true um, because we all have this vision of a future where all of our energy converts to clean energy. But honestly, I don't see how that's possible without the energy storage component and with the promise of the vanadium flow batteries um, I think I think he has a great point that we need to conserve that for that use as much as we possibly can and having a domestic supply would sure alleviate some of the geopolitical tension around having to create a supply chain across countries and barriers that may or may not always like the US so uh, yeah, I, I, mean, think, in, I think in that's case, a good point I mean, you know, like I said, we, we're, our business is being built without the hope of of getting government assistance. It would all be always be wonderful. It would be great to secure it with some of that that help, mm-hmm. but um, we're going to get there regardless. 
I believe you. <laughs> you convinced me. Well, we've got to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to hear more about the site that American Vanadium is developing in Nevada and much more about how their uh, operations are coming along and, and what we can look forward to in the future. So don't go away, folks. There's much more Go Green Radio right after this. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Nine different energy systems make up the energy body. Energy is all around us and connects us. Energy exerts a major control over our biology and is a big reason why you should be tuning in to energy medicine and optimal health with your host, Dr. Ann Deatley. We'll explore energy balance techniques, tips, and patterns to keep your flow of energy optimal to maintain maximal health. By adopting these techniques, you will keep your energy body and physical body in harmony. Listen for Energy Medicine and Optimal Health, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Today our topic is a very specific rare earth element called vanadium. Uh, it's actually uh, something that the U.S. has to import from other countries. However, that's about to change. Thanks to our guest and his company, Bill Radvac is the CEO of American Vanadium. Bill, tell us some more about this mine that you're developing in Nevada and uh, how much vanadium you think you can you can mine out of that site. Yeah, the um, the mine uh, called Gibellini has been um, known 
The deposit had been known for decades. I mean, it was first uh, drilled out largely um, just after a little bit for the Second World War, um, but after that by Union Carbide, which was uh, sort of led the name world in, in the 50s, 60s. And so it's been known for a while. Uh, what's unique is there's this big deposit, and like I said, is totally different from anything else in the world uh, sitting there. It's basically a hill of lower-grade vanadium ore that's been very exposed. So um, without getting technical again, it enables us to use a very unique process, and that's what's made it economic as well. Um, we take, we're basically stripping a little hill, we're putting on a pad, and we're adding, sprinkling sulfuric acid on it to make it simple. And as the sulfuric acid leaches through, it goes through, you know, lands on a pad in a permeable barrier so it doesn't go into the ground, and funnels into a little pond. Pond goes to a very small plant, and um, and we pull the vanadium out. Now, because, we again, we don't have all those constituents, the, the most unique part of this is we're able to have a very pure product for very low cost. Um, you know, when I mentioned titanium, they need 99.5% purity, um, and we can easily hit that. We actually have shown we can hit 99.99% pure, which is needed for the electrolyte industry. And because of our process, we can do it extremely cost-effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, importantly, the project has been going really gangbusters. We're getting tremendous support from the local community, from the state, um, the governor's office, uh, feds, uh, the Bureau of Land Management. Are, I think everybody's all on board because it's important, but also they see we're you know, bending over backwards to make sure it's a you know, safe, simple, uh, environmentally sound project as well. Well, you have someone on board in your company who actually helped to write the environmental standards for the state of Nevada. Isn't that correct? Well, I think if you, if you look here, we're a small, small group um, mm-hmm. being able to achieve a lot, largely because we, we, we do a great job at sort of selling our vision. And it's been mm-hmm. able to attract some extremely strong people. Our, 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 our head of mining, Mike Doyle, put in three of these heap leaches, heap leach mines in Nevada, very large, mm-hmm. much larger ones, uh, very safely, quickly, and environmentally sound. But we're able to hire Ron Spells, um, VP Environmental, VP Environment, to um, lead. But we took him out of Barrick, one of the biggest gold companies in the world, mm-hmm. um, because he loves his project. He loves the storage store. He believes there's a whole bunch of mining projects that actually could come online if we do, if we're able to execute and show that these batteries can store enough energy. It's much more environmentally sound than stringing electrical lines, you know, hundreds of miles through, you know, through um, pretty sacred ground. You're so, so right. Yeah. So we're able to attract, and we and we expect to, as we move into the battery storage industry, to do the same thing. Keep attracting people that believe we can really make a difference here. Well, and when you say make a difference, I think, you know, to to make that even a more concrete concept for our listeners, I mean, you could very well be a very key link in greening our entire energy portfolio in the United States. And so the end result of the use of your product is very exciting from a green perspective. How are you making the mine itself green? Yeah, I mean, we are making an effort to have the greenest mine in America, and I think that that starts from what we've talked about as well, that the product itself on all levels from uh, making steel lighter and being able to use less less iron ore, make a green product, uh, making vehicles use less fuel is green, but actually on-site we are have filed our plan of operations document with the, the Bureau of Land Management, which is really the kickoff in the whole permitting, and we're actually included in our plan to put in a, a microgrid uh, we believe 
and are going to put our money where our mouth is and put on a Vanadium Flow battery and start with a solar um, a solar energy to actually power the mine. We're, you know, we'll have wow. a grid, and we actually expect to actually be a, a energy supplier to the local grid in the future as well. Um, but we think we can do it effectively, cost-effectively. It'll make economic sense, and we can show you know this will be a tremendous demonstration project for America as well. Oh, that's really exciting. Now, help us envision what a grid-scale energy storage facility using vanadium would look like, and tell us how it would operate. I mean, um, when you say that the vanadium is in a vat with sulfuric acid, right. I can imagine some neighborhoods going, eh, not in my backyard. Yeah. <laughs> is yeah. there any reason to anticipate some nimbyism, well, you think- know? In the application of the product. I mean, it's going to be less ugly than a substation. How's that to start with? Which are pretty <laughs> well, darn ugly. that's good. And people will put up with those. No, I mean, really, it's quite simple. You know, if you're looking at grid-scale, multi-megawatt vision, basically a warehouse the size of a football field. I mean, I, you know, so it really can be contained in that. So as far as anybody looking, it really is, is no issue. Um, so these are big ones. You're not going to put a, uh, because of sulfuric gas, you're not going to put these into your car trunk to run your car, but... Um, but for the grid scale applications, they're, they're a great fit. Um, and so it's very well contained in, in all those structures and very safe. What's interesting is, you know, you can make these any size as well. And there are two companies with models that they're going to be pushing forward on to make these the size of a home air conditioner so it actually can be used in the home. So you take power off the grid at night when it's more expensive, use it during the peak period when, uh, I'm sorry, take off the grid when it's less expensive. Mm-hmm. and then use it at uh, peak period and save money there, or actually take your home right off the grid with solar power with these wow. batteries. So they can go, you know, any scale size. Mm-hmm. If you mine this in Nevada, I mean, you're a Canadian company. Are you obligated to sell a certain percentage of it to the U.S., or would you basically be free to sell vanadium from U.S. soil to any country that you want to? Uh, you know, we really are free to sell it everywhere. It's not mm-hmm. on a critical list. Um, but, you know, it goes back to our our number one goal in the company here is to responsibly create shareholder value. So it's to use as much in the US as possible. Uh, you know, the way it's evolved, though, I keep talking about, um, as I mentioned here earlier, the co- bigger companies are, you know, in, in, uh, Asia, in Europe and Asia, China and Japan over there uh, mm-hmm. in the battery side. For us to actually believe we are going to help drive this flow battery business in the U.S. using our deposit, we have to partner with a large company, and they're all offshore. So the quid pro quo will likely be for us to supply some of our vanadium to their offshore purposes. Mm-hmm. But the primary goal is to is to do a deal where their technology, the number one uh, drive for us is to get that technology in America and use as much electrolyte as we can. Uh, mm-hmm. in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, before that, the critical need for uh, titanium is super pure. We think we can satisfy pretty much all of America's need for that in the meantime as well. Is there some kind of government intervention or public policy that is needed you know, to make sure that your company's vanadium, to the largest extent possible, stays domestic? Um, or do you think that that kind of a, an arrangement could be established and a profitable market be established without U.S. legislative action? Um, you know, we're operating as if it's not going to come in a cohesive manner, like it's happening mm-hmm. in Germany and China. Um, and it's evolving. I think the market's driving it that way anyways, um, organically. 
it would be better if there was some real, you know, energy policy and legislation driving this. Uh, you know, in the meantime, like I said, we're planning we have to be selling into other industries as our mine grows or make the choice to slow down mine production, which is rare for a company to do. I mean, you have to yeah. get your cash flow going to pay your bills. That's right. So the faster this develops, the the, fa- the more we can use in the storage side. So um, to me, it would be it would be very helpful to get some good legislation going down that direction. Tell us more what that would look like. What in your mind? I mean, there there are folks in different green technologies and clean technologies that said we've got to have cap and trade legislation or our company will never get off the ground. In your yeah. mind, what kind of public policy would be most beneficial? You know, to, to your interests. Well, I think it's already there's a lot underway. I mean, you look at California is now into a, a series of hearings, and and the expectation is to actually that there will be set um, rules for grids to actually move towards storage. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, and, and California is always the leader, but it's also you know massive consumer. Um, Texas as well is huge on renewables. They probably use twice as much power actually per capita in Texas than in California and, and other places, and they are one of the leaders in putting in renewable energy and moving mm-hmm. towards storage. So I think it's happening on a more of a state-by-state basis and will take place sort of in our time frame. I mean, mm-hmm. fortunately for us, our, our, we believe our production, again, this is subject to you know, permitting. We, we believe we're going through in a fairly straightforward fashion here. We've got a clean operation. So you know, you hate to put a timeline on these things. Um, don't want to put pressure on any regulatory authorities. But from what we've seen, and uh, you know, we, there's a possibility of us being in production in less than three years. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of time for that to evolve for for our production uh, to take place. So I think things are it's a really good time and have production then. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, we can do a deal where we could probably be selling batteries um, in the interim period as a company. Um, but I think it's already evolving in a, co- in a less cohesive manner. I think the federal government would be best to step up and set guidelines, but you know that's uh, we try not to step into the political quagmire <laughs> that's out there. Oh, we might do that anyway in the next segment. I want to talk to you a little bit about what the federal government might be able to do. We've got to take a quick break, though, so uh, we'll be doing that. But don't go away, folks. Right after this commercial break, we'll get into a little bit more about uh, the government uh, possibilities with, with vanadium and what we might be able to achieve on a federal scale, but also the vanadium application to electric vehicles. So for all you EV fans out there, there is uh, some hope for that coming as well. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%. 
Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. If you happen to just be joining us, our guest today is Bill Radvac, the CEO of American Vanadium. And we've been talking about uh, vanadium as an important component in the energy storage capacity that we're hoping to see put in so that solar and wind power that we've been installing like gangbusters will be maximally efficient and, and optimized through the use of mass energy storage. And we're excited about the role that vanadium could play in that. You know, Bill, um, your website mentions a speech given by President Obama not too long ago in support of energy storage capacity. But by the time your mine is actually operational, uh, you know, he'll be beyond a lame duck. I mean, we'll already be in the throes of a new U.S. presidential uh, campaign. I'm wondering, because a lot of us would like to see a federal energy plan. Do you have some senators or congressmen who are going to be around longer than the president who are also supportive of this vision, who might be able to uh, keep advancing a federal um, set of guidelines on you know, energy storage capacity? Uh, you know, we're, we're not a political organization, and you did start off saying we were Canadian, but I'm, I'm a unique Canadian, and I follow way too much in U.S. politics, more for my entertainment. I don't really know if it's had, <laughs> I don't know if it's had that much of an impact. You know, uh, like you said, the, you know, having the president talk about energy policy, it hasn't really come down to any policy that, that's really making any difference in any cohesive fashion. So um, I don't think it's a red versus blue state or president kind of issue here. Um, it's evolving. I said, fortunately, I think with our time for mine is perfect to coincide with where governments are going. It's where the industry is going. It's where the needs are going. It's where business is going is in a few years. And mm-hmm. so I'd be more worried if I was trying to get in production today. I'd be hoping for the government to make policy immediately to really impact our future. So I, I see it coming around. Um, as far as state centers and such, you know, we could get into the gerrymandering and all that debate, but they'll probably all be around anyways in four or six years. Um, we're getting great support from the local governments. Like I said, as far as the mine, we're in a tremendous spot. We actually um, uh, met with uh, Governor of Nevada uh, this week at some time, 
and they truly get this and the opportunity for green jobs, not just mine jobs. Mm-hmm. And so what we have to do for the most support here is to present a real strong business plan that brings jobs and, and storage to America, and, and we'll find our support. Well, and quite frankly, if you have an opportunity to set some great standards and, and case studies of success with states like California and Texas, which is about as blue on the one hand <laughs> as the other state is red on the other mm-hmm. hand, um, then you've got a couple of case studies that you'd be able to take to the to the wider American audience to say, let's do this. So well, I, see, I think I mean, that's pretty exciting. That's where it shows, too, that this whole renewable such is getting past um, ideology and to pragmatism. It's just well, I'm place. hoping it's a shared ideology. Yeah. That's what I'd like to see. I mean, we have listeners that are on both sides of the aisle and um, sort of in the middle of the aisle as well, probably a lot of us there. Mm-hmm. And the, the bottom line is, you know, all, all of us talk about independence from foreign oil. We talk about domestic energy supply. Well, there's nothing more domestic than creating energy from our own sunshine, our own wind, storing it with our own batteries. Um, and there you go. So, I mean, this really does um, supersede any partisanship i hope right well it actually goes you're right it goes past that but it's going to the business side uh, very strongly mm-hmm. and that's where um you look at who's actually investing like I said in the battery side i've i've now seen a change a real sea change in who's who's making the difference it's the big companies not the small mm-hmm. r&d organizations that are really driving forward now and that's what's right. happening when solar you have the massive expenditures you've got you know warren buffett um his company re- very recently in the last month purchasing you know a couple billion dollars worth of a solar plant project in California mm-hmm. um, for you know five six hundred megawatts of storage uh, you got T Boone Pickens with a 377 megawatt wind farm he's just decided to install in Texas so you're seeing the real money people um, smart people out there making the decisions with their and showing with their wallet that mm-hmm. that renewables has a future has an economic future not dependent on government policy. You know, speaking of big investors, a few years ago, Warren Buffett bought 10% stock in, at that time, a little-known Chinese auto manufacturer called BYD. And, you know, a lot of people follow Warren Buffett, call him the Oracle, and I'm wondering if the Oracle's electric vehicle company, BYD, has been working with Vanadium. Um, Actually, they have not. We heard in the background they've been doing some research um, in in a way, but they're, they're working on a lithium battery. And so mm-hmm. they, um, again, they're, but if you, it's a very interesting company. If you go to their website, they've really branched out, um, continuing to follow on their core competencies, and they've moved into solar uh, farms. They're up for a major award in, in Dubai um, for renewable energies. Um, uh, they're the last of three to win this, this very significant award for their overall renewable strategy. So it's very comprehensive past electric cars, past batteries and such. But on the on what's unique, the name flow batteries, the name actually should and hopefully will play an important role even in the car batteries as the world record for uh, charge um, for vehicles gone uh, 600 kilometers on single charge using a uh, lithium vanadium phosphate battery. Hmm. Um, for for those technologies take time, but we actually heard the reason one of the reasons why it hasn't moved ahead is the lack of pure uh, vanadium. Uh, oh, and you've got that solution, where, don't you? <laughs> so we're looking into that one as well now, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and I know that one of the other, you know, drawbacks to electric vehicles and the current technology is that they charge so slowly. Right. And that's something that vanadium can overcome as well. It's pretty rapid charge, well, isn't it? Well, yeah. The, um, Nissan's actually now announced commercial plan. It'll take a number of years to get done, but they have a design actually moving commercially uh, producing a, a car charger uh, where you can charge your car in seven minutes. So it changes it from you know, plugging in at home or at the office, but actually to the pretty much the same time as, as going to a gas station mm-hmm. and getting a charge in your car. And that's, that's a major change. That's, that's a huge one to overcome uh, as much an emotional issue uh, as anything mm-hmm. in for car purchasers. Absolutely. You know, in reading your company's website, um, it says that you're looking for partnerships with energy storage and battery producers. Tell me in the couple minutes that we have left, what companies you really admire in those realms and who you'd like to work with? What are some of your dream partnerships? Sure. Well, you know, this is, it's a, you know, it's a great place to end for us because this company's future will be determined by our ability to partner properly here. We have a, a strategic supply and our number one plan here is to leverage off that to the companies that are trying to commercialize these big batteries, you cannot become a large vanadium flow battery without a long-term supply at a stable price. And they're, we know the companies are at it. They need really our annual production for their big-term needs. And so with that risk, our first job is to partner with one of those companies. So they, get, they secure that risk, get a long-term stable price product. In turn, we want to uh, get more integrated into the market primarily in the United States, become the face of them in the United States. So that's our number one goal. But partnering past that, you really have to present the full solution. You've got to present, again, an integrator. And the big companies that are doing one after that, like Siemens and, and GE, are becoming very big integrators for the big smart grid solutions. You have to partner with solar companies, wind companies. You actually have to partner with a finance company. If you look at, at Solar City IPO'd, Elon Musk of PayPal and SpaceX and Tesla. <laughs> Tesla. Um, he um, just IPO'd a company that he was a major part of um, called Solar City at $8 last month. I think it's at $13 a few days ago. But they are huge, succeeding hugely in solar with massive growth, but they are actually financing these. And that's where we want to go with actually financing full multi-million dollar microgrid solutions. So you take mm-hmm. away that capital cost issue and present that full solution, you know, one-stop shop, and that'll be a big breakthrough for these large-scale uh, projects. All right. Well, you know what? That's exciting stuff, and I'm so glad that you've been able to share soup to nuts with us what you're doing and why you're doing it. I, I'm excited to watch the future of American vanadium. I'm excited to see um, the application of your product in place in our our uh, hope and vision for a green grid, a smart grid, and I'm glad that you were able to join us. Thanks so much to our listeners for joining us on Go Green Radio. We're going to be here same time, same place next week. So until then, have a great week and do something in your life to go green. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 